What up, everybody? Just a little reminder that the St. Dymphna's Playbook book is available wherever you get your books and ebooks. You can head on over to Ave Maria Press's website and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 20% off. Go get your copy now. Servant of God, Sister Thea Bowman once said, remember who you are and whose you are. Welcome to the 127th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to remember that we belong to each other and we need to constantly consider what that means in terms of how we are called to support those around us. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. You know I like to bring up situations where celebrities start the conversation around mental health, and today we're going to focus in on Metallica frontman James Hetfield. We'll start with Date Book. Metallica frontman James Hetfield choked up during the band's show in Brazil last week as he openly talked to fans about his anxieties about performing live. Quote, I've got to tell you I wasn't feeling very good before I came out here, feeling a little bit insecure, like I'm an old guy, can't play anymore. All this bull that I tell myself in my head, the 50 year-old singer and guitarist told the crowd in Brazil on Thursday, May the 12th. So I talked to these guys and they helped me as simple as that. They gave me a hug and said, hey, if you're struggling on stage, we've got your back. And I tell you, it means the world to me. Hetfield's speech, which comes just before Metallica played its classic song, Sad But True, inspired the other band members like drummer Lars Ulrich, guitarist Kirk Hammett, and bassist Robert Trujillo to walk over and join him in an impromptu group hug. Quote, and seeing you out there, I am not alone, Hetfield added, pointing to the tears in his eyes. I am not alone, and neither are you. So back to me, as a kid growing up in the early 90s, Metallica was always seen as a bunch of hardcore dudes who rocked out on stage, and the idea that the lead singer would pause a concert to talk about his feelings just never would have entered my mind. But here we are, in this wonderful moment in history where mental health has become something we're able to talk about, and to see this band doing just that, talking about anxiety, about how connecting with a group for support can help us and about how we're all not alone. It's a beautiful thing. It's inspiring. And if it helps just one person to make the decision to talk about their mental health, to reach out for help, it'll be a huge blessing. So let's take the cue and start talking openly about our own mental health when we're able to do so, to help people see that they aren't alone, to reduce suffering even just a little bit. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to Venerable Pierre Toussaint. (music) 
Born in 1766 in what is now known as Haiti, Pierre was born into a life of enslavement. When he was 30 years old, he was taken to New York by those who enslaved him. And once in the U.S., he was sent to apprentice as a hairdresser, and he became popular among New York society's upper echelon. He was liberated from slavery in 1807 and went on to marry his wife, Juliette, four years later. They adopted his niece after his sister died of tuberculosis, and they raised the girl as their own. According to Wikipedia, in 1815, their family began a career of charity among the poor of New York City, often taking baked goods to the children of the orphan asylum and donating money to its operations. He attended daily mass for 66 years and was inspired by uh, his life and his faith to open his home to orphans and fostered kids. He supported them in getting an education and learning a trade and helped them get their first job through his connections in the city whenever he could. He and his wife also organized a credit bureau, an employment agency and a refuge for priests and needy travelers and he was even renowned for crossing barricades to nurse quarantined cholera patients during an epidemic in the city he died at age 87 was buried outside of saint patrick's old cathedral where he was once refused entrance to mass because of his race his sanctity and the popular devotion to him caused his body to be moved to the present location of saint patrick's cathedral on fifth avenue We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Inspired by the example of our Lord Jesus, Pierre worshiped with love and served your people with generosity. He attended Mass daily and responded to the practical and spiritual needs of friends and strangers, of the rich and the poor, the sick and the homeless. If it is your will, let the name of Venerable Pierre Toussaint be officially raised to the rank of saint. By following his example and asking for his prayers, may we too be counted among the blessed in heaven We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Catherine gets us started. How do you maintain a relationship with a friend who you are in love with? I'm still in love with my best friend, and they are currently going through a difficult spot, so boundaries are hard right now. Let's start by joining together in prayer for Catherine and everyone wondering how best to navigate a difficult relationship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thanks for the question, Catherine, and please be assured of our ongoing prayers here with our little community as you work through how best to move through this experience. Let's start with some some thoughts from SheSingleMag.com to get us started. So first, accept the reality of the situation. Maintaining a friendship with someone you love hurts, especially at first, but that's a life lesson to be learned. We can't always have the things we want, and that's a tough reality to handle, but the sooner you can accept the situation and stop trying to change it, the sooner you will find peace and liberation. Next, prioritize yourself. The reality might be that this individual doesn't feel romantic feelings towards you in the way you feel them towards him or her. Whether or not circumstances change in the future is something only time will tell, but right now you deserve to prioritize yourself instead of spending your time wishing you could develop something more than a friendship, so think about what you deserve. Back to me. The situation you described is a difficult one to be sure, but I would also suggest finding someone you can talk to about what you're going through. Another trusted friend would be great. 
Or if all your friends know each other, it might be a good idea to get connected to a therapist who can walk with you through this journey as it continues. Remember to avoid judging yourself. This isn't something you chose to experience. It isn't something that's going on and you are to blame for some reason, right? Instead, take this advice from the website breathetoinspire.com. Remind yourself of why he or she is such a good friend and start focusing on how lucky that makes you feel that they chose you to be their friend in spite of any romantic attraction or lack thereof. Remember what it is about their personality and character that made them so important in your life. So back to me again, practicing gratitude for what we have and working hard not to have regrets for what we don't is a great start for working on this. And again, remember that we're praying for you. Anonymous is up next. I'm really curious to know if you've ever known a Catholic with a mental illness to categorize themselves as homebound. For the last few years, I've been struggling to make it to Sunday Mass and to practice organized devotions. I've been learning to allow Jesus to extend his mercy to these moments and to let go of scrupulosity about my culpability levels. In your opinion, can I ask for communion to be brought to me at home? Am I the only Catholic who struggles to make it to Mass because of my illness? Should we as Catholics be talking about this more? Well, let's start by joining in prayer for Anonymous and every one of us who finds ourselves unable to attend Mass because of our mental health. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for sending this question and know that you are 100% not alone in feeling this way, especially this difficulty and wondering these same questions, right? There's so many of us going through this. So let's start at the top. Are there Catholics who consider themselves homebound due to their mental health? Absolutely, yes. From anxiety and panic attacks to depression and decreased energy and motivation to PTSD and triggers associated with mass or figures in the church, there are a myriad of reasons why a Catholic may consider themselves unable to attend mass due to their mental health experience. And as we've mentioned on this podcast a few times before, mental illness is absolutely a valid reason to miss mass according to the catechism and canon law. It's such a blessing that you've been keeping yourself connected to the faith, as you mentioned, and that you've been working hard to let the mercy of Christ come into your life. That's absolutely essential. Next, you ask if you can request communion to be brought to you at home, and I say, heck yes! This is a wonderful thought and one of the most important ministries at our parishes. And if you're unable to make it to Mass due to your mental health but still want to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, you should absolutely make that call or have someone you trust make the call on your behalf to get it set up. We'll wrap up with the last two questions. Am I the only Catholic who struggles to make it to Mass because of my illness? Absolutely not. In fact, this question and questions like it come up on this podcast over and over again, showing us a couple of things. First, there are lots of us who are having a difficult time getting to Mass because of our mental health symptoms. And two, we don't talk about this enough as a church, and that is absolutely doing a disservice. And this ties into your final question. And the answer is we absolutely should be talking about this more. It is so deeply unfair for those of us feeling unable to attend Mass because of our mental health to be left questioning ourselves simply because the church doesn't talk about it. We have to make sure everyone knows that it's valid to miss mass because of mental illness. Our peace and our comfort depend upon this. And the more we talk about it, the more we can go about breaking down the stigma that causes all of us so much guilt, so much shame, and so much suffering. We'll keep praying and working for this, and we'll absolutely keep praying for you. 
Another anonymous wraps us up. How can I better emotionally support an abused teen girl, family friends we care for after school and evenings? We try to show encouragement, love, boundaries, and friendships. We never push for them to share things, but they are having a truly hard time at school, sleeping, eating. It's heartbreaking. Well, let's start by praying for Anonymous, for this teen girl, and everyone finding themselves in a similar situation for healing, safety, and peace. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Let me just first say what a blessing it is that you're a part of this girl's life and that you're interested in knowing how best to help her. It's so beautiful, and I hope people see this witness and make an effort to be a good support to those around them just like you. We're going to take a look at some tips for helping a teen with PTSD from Solstice East. And while it's geared toward parents helping a child who has gone through a traumatic experience, I think it's still a good place for us to get some ideas. Reassurance. We all need reassurance from time to time, but this is especially important for teens with PTSD. You should make an effort to remind them regularly that they are safe and cared for in your presence. Communication. Battling emotions. I'm sorry, bottling emotions up is never a good idea. You should open the line of communication between you and the child. Talk about the trauma if they're open to it and be an active listener. Expression. You should remind your child that they should express their emotions. This is a healthy and vital part of the healing process. There are many creative ways to express emotions like drawing, painting, playing, music, writing, etc. Help your teen find something that works for them. Togetherness is next. Pay attention and nurture the relationship with the child. Set aside some time to do some things together as a family, and this will help them to feel loved and supported. And boundaries. Set limits. Don't expect too much from your teen, but also don't become overprotective. Jumping into the normal routine may not be realistic. Be flexible and adjust, but remember it's nothing permanent. Help them come up with a healing plans. Back to me. I think this is all really helpful, but one last point I'd like to drive home is asking what kind of help they need. So often we try to learn things we can do to help someone going through a specific situation, um, but we often neglect to ask what type of help they need as an individual, as the person that they are. We can learn a lot about how best to move forward by saying something simple like, I want you to know that I'm here to help you and I want to give you whatever kind of help you need. And if they aren't quite sure what kind of help they need, it's okay to offer some ideas, but also offer and see if it's something that uh, might make sense for them. Like when you give an idea, ask if that's something that would work for them. And for anyone listening who reasonably believes that a child or a teen they know are being abused, please visit childhelpline.org and then click on your state on the map to get the information you need to report the abuse and possibly save the child's life. This is something that we really need to reflect upon and we really need to reach out and help people with. We have to report these things if we feel like someone's being abused, if we have reasonable suspicion. We should never fear reaching out to try to help this person. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions or situations. If you'd like me to address them in a future episode, I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support their cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.